comes ahead, back and forth with Pacioretty. Now Stevenson kicks it in. It will count. Live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. From the draw, Nicholas Haig rifles it home. One-time shot from Haig. Vegas ties it 3-3. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, your destination for inside access with the team, exclusive player interviews, and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas, Wallace Millard Chapman live from the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios, Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... We will get to Dan Duva, radio voice of Fox Sports Las Vegas uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights. He will join us from Ottawa, where the Golden Knights continue with their four-game road trip tomorrow night against the Senators. Uh, he will stop by for a little bit of a conversation, both reflecting on the game in Toronto and look ahead to the rest of the road trip. And uh, he had a, a lengthy con- conversation with uh, Michael Amadio, so uh, we'll also dip in uh, on that and uh, lean on him. We will uh, check in on the Jack Eichel. Sweepstakes. What's happening there? Ryan Wallace is uh, hot and heavy on the track of Jack Eichel, where he's going to end up. And news and notes from around the National Hockey League with one-timers, as uh, there's uh, various uh, twists and turns with rosters and team performances. Uh, Some continue. Some of those surprises, however, have started to level out. Uh, But the Golden Knights coming off the 4-0 defeat against the Toronto Maple Leafs, no big surprise in the sense that Scotiabank Arena, formerly Air Canada Centre, I believe is one of three rinks, Seattle notwithstanding, that the Vegas Golden Knights have played in and never won. Hmm. It's an interesting stat. A little, uh, little bit of trivia for you. Well well done, Darren. Um, yeah, it, it, was a, it was an interesting game last night, uh, simply because when you look at the names that put the puck in the back of the net for the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then you juxtapose that with the names that are out of the lineup for the Golden Knights, I think you understand a little bit more that 4 nothing score. That was a game in which, like, just based on the goals, Marner's opener, the game winner, mm-hmm. was spectacular in the way he teased that uh, puck uh, towards uh, Jake Lasition and then tucked it back and, and threw it in the open net. Uh, Austin Matthews with two sensational goals and William Nylander flying down the wing. That's your go-to A, B, and C with the Toronto Maple <laughs> Leafs. And D, John Tavares, was right there in the middle of it all. He just didn't score. I went through the game today, and mm-hmm. I will say this. 4 nothing was a good score for Toronto. But it could have been 8 nothing for Toronto. Yeah. Robin Leonard was yeah. that good last night in stopping grade A chances. And Derek Englund had this stat last night. High danger opportunities in the NHL this year. Uh, Toronto mm-hmm. uh, is top five and Vegas for, for generating them. And Vegas is top five in giving them up. That was a bad combination going into the game. And if there was finish and uh, from the Toronto angle and uh, no breaks from the Maple Leaf goaltending with that injury-depleted Vegas roster, it it was going to be a a lopsided night. And it was a lopsided night. 
Yeah, I mean, to your point and uh, to, to Derek's point, 16 to 10, the, the total high danger chances in that game, all situations. And, you know, for the Golden Knights, and high danger scoring chances with three power play opportunities that just gives you an idea of how lean of a night it was for the Golden Knights in terms of generating chances. What do you think it was and, after you know, two? The, uh, like those sixteen ten. No, I that's that's what I had for the game. Uh, no, now but, that but, was but, according but, but to natural Patrick. After after two periods, it would have been like like probably fourteen four. <laughs> Because four, the, the third fourteen period, to four. You, because the third period was was you, the Golden Knights best, uh, but after two you, periods, it was it was keep away. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right there. It, it was uh, a dominant forty minute effort from the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then after William Nylander scored that fourth goal of the game, it was pretty much just you know get get the remaining clock worked off for Toronto. And they're, they, you know, that's the type of win that I think the, the Maple Leafs were really looking for. They got it. And now it's, it's about uh, going back to the drawing board for the Vegas Golden Knights and turning their attention to the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. It was uh, get, get out of the rink because somebody else has got the, uh, the ice booked at 10 o'clock Eastern time. That's what that was uh, last <laughs> night. It, uh, it was also an important, and let's bring in Dan Duva, uh, who joins us uh, from Ottawa, as the Golden Knights uh, have a day off, and then we'll face the Senators tomorrow night uh, as they continue the road trip, which will carry on to Montreal and Detroit on Saturday and Sunday. And uh, last night's post-game media conference with Pete DeBoer was one of those ones where I think it's really important that we all pay attention to these uh, from from time to time, especially the media, because you look at that game last night, and I think uh, a lot of us would go, that wasn't a good performance. And Robin Leonard said as much. But there's a difference between not having a good performance effort-wise and not having a good performance not being sharp and execute. And Pete DeBoer didn't say he he went away from the effort he thought the effort was was fine it was the execution and i think that's important to, for people as we bring in dan duva uh to to really keep that in mind and keep those two separate uh what do you think think of the uh what we saw last night from the golden knight side dan hi guys yeah I, it was uh, of course not good but either the focus that we heard from uh pete Boer and in chatting with steve spot on the pregame show was the need to focus on the defensive side of the game and hope for a, a good break uh, offensively. And, you know, it doesn't look great when you lose 4 nothing. When you sort of, you know, break it down goal by goal, it, you can't say it was the most horrendous defensive performance no. the Knights have had, right? Like there were, there were some, you know, like for, for the group of offensive players that, that Toronto throws out there, you know, like the, the – Again, you could go through each of the goals, the power play goal, obviously. There's the Nylander breakaway, you know, the great uh, spinorama from Marner early on. So, like, in a certain weird way, like, they actually kind of did a decent job defensively, but the offense was almost non-existent. And I think that that's concerning because, you know, people want to see you score goals and you can't win unless you score one. And uh, the, the power play didn't break through. They didn't get too many offensive breaks. And the credit to the Leafs. Dan, uh are we just going to have to accept through this run of injury where you have 30 plus million dollars out of the lineup in salary that those nights are going to happen and you don't want them to happen. You would do everything in your power to avoid that occurring. But with the lineup that Vegas has playing 500 is the 
to me, would be very, very good. Uh, I, I don't know whether you agree with that. But the other side is those lopsided performances that go the other way are just going to become uh, – it's a reality. And there's with the talent that some of these teams have, it's going to happen every now and then. You figure that uh, goaltender, whether it's Robin Leonard or Lauren Brossois, would you know come up with a, a shutout here or there or – you know, one goal performance here or there that can put you in that category. Gary and I were talking about it on the broadcast. You know, it still felt within reach at two nothing. I agree. But you saw Sheldon Keefe, you know, really overloaded the the talent on the offensive zone shifts late in the second period, really going for that third goal, and they got it. And then it just felt like, well, this one's over. There's not enough uh, firepower to come back from that. So you wonder if if you get one of those breaks early. You know, if if you Put yourself in that in that uh, position earlier on against teams that don't have the same firepower that the Leafs have, and look at who's coming up here. I mean, you know, Ottawa, Montreal, and Detroit. Um, regardless of who's healthy for the Knights, I mean, th- th- those are beatable teams given the way that that uh, the rosters are constructed and the way that those teams have started. So, uh, you know, if you break it down 500 over the next month, I mean, that that's possible. But I I also wonder if you you know game by game look at you know who the other team is throwing out there and again you've got some a really good goaltending on this on this team and there are also players you know who have yet to really step up offensively let's not forget that Alex Petrangelo has one assist one assist no goals in the first 9 games like that's not going to continue like at some point he's going to score um you know you would expect players like that the guys who are the NHL reliables the bona fides those guys to click in at some point. And uh, I, I, I try to be optimistic with these things. You, you do wonder about finding the right configuration of players, uh, forward combinations, and maybe something clicks. Who thought Marcia So Carlson and Smith was going to be a dynamite trio when the Knights were put together four years ago? Nobody predicted that. So maybe there's something in the offing here that we just haven't quite seen on the ice yet. Ryan, uh, after this, uh, chime in uh, on whether or not, Dan, do you, do you think I'm selling them short? Saying 500 is acceptable. No, no, I, th- I think that's absolutely reasonable. Okay. I, I just tend to think about what we kind of don't know yet. In other words, maybe something clicks tomorrow right. that changes our view of that. Right. So, like as we stand here, I'm with you. Like that makes lots of sense to me. But like maybe something clicks tomorrow that says, "Oh, well, gee, that's interesting." Now, now maybe they could be over 500 mm-hmm. if if this sort of thing continues. Right. So that that's why I kind of hedge on uh you know looking at uh, any protracted period of time with you know like you know i'm not too much into the predictions anyway there <laughs> <laughs> ryan ryan you you're going against me for sure no i i mean i i think uh, right now 500 is about what i expect this team to be when you when you look at you know without max patch without mark stone and now an extended period of time without william carlson who i think is a very very important player for this team and and did a lot to kind of mitigate some of what you lost with stone and patch out of the lineup uh, 500 is about where i expect the golden knights to be however uh, uh, to dan's point and i think it's an interesting one it's all about trying to come up with combinations and combos that might work. And I think today at practice, putting Nick Waugh between Marcia so and Smith might be one of those things that, you know, you throw it together on paper, you see what happens in a game, and maybe there's something there that grows into something else. You like that one, Dan? Didn't we have this, didn't we have this conversation on the postgame show, Ryan, last night? 
Yeah, we absolutely did. And and you know, I I'm hmm. I'm glad Maybe to see Boy that there's that tweak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you know, trying to recall exactly what we were saying that you know, when trying to find the right combination to go, it, like it starts with Marsha So and Smith because those are the tried and true guys. Okay, without Carlson, who do you put there? They try Brett Howden for all of the period. You know, whether it's fair to Brett to give him only one period with those guys, they just pulled the plug. Whether that's fair or not, I don't know, but clearly they didn't like it. So then you kind of revert to the person that's the most experienced on your roster there, Chandler Stevenson, who has been the top-line center. That's the way they kind of went the rest of the game. But I didn't think either one of those guys was best suited in terms of ability or skill set to go with Marsha Stone Carlson. I think I said to you, Ryan, on the postgame show, two players who come to mind are Peyton Krebs and Nicholas Watt. Krebs, because he's probably the most skilled player, uh, among the 18 or 19 skaters the Knights have healthy right now. But Nicholas Waugh has the highest hockey IQ. So splitting the difference between those guys, Waugh has more experience. Krebs has yet to record an NHL point. Waugh has been very good, uh, not only through the end of last year, but uh, the last several games. I think the hockey IQ to go alongside Riley Smith, who might be right there in terms of hockey IQ, uh, the finishing ability of Marcia. So I think that that, you know, I think this is kind of what we said on the postgame show last night, and we'll see if what we saw at practice today is what we see at morning skate tomorrow and then what we see during the game against the Senators. Uh, but that's, that, that, that's at least a starting point. And after that, you know, it's, it's the duos, right, Carrier and Stevenson. Um, you know, if it's, uh, you know, I, I guess we've seen Colasar uh, trying to find a, a partner. But, uh, you know, it's... So I don't know, but I think Carrie and Stevenson had showed us a little something a couple of games ago, so maybe keep those two together as well. You're sitting in your car, uh, you're on the 15, and you're wondering, okay, why didn't they do that to start? Uh, put Nick Waugh w- with the Misfits. And there's a, a really yeah. logical answer to that. It's, your, uh, to use Pete DeBoer's expression, you're redlining every night, leaning on players. Yeah. And what he was looking for is some balance to be able to play more lines more often to try and save uh, his players from being worn out. Right. And and then also to have Brett Howden get a crack at it. He hasn't really played center for the Knights. He has not played high in the lineup. Steve Spott said it on the pregame show to us yesterday. He was a first-round pick for the Tampa Bay Lightning. At at the junior level, he's a potent offensive player. So he hadn't really been afforded the opportunity to play up in the lineup so give him the crack and you know like i said a moment ago guys i I don't know if if one period is is enough and and maybe if maybe if it's still zero zero after the first period they they try another period but i I don't know i just if brett howden was was brought in by this team at a trade and it obviously they're using him but it seems when they give him a shot they're Either a uh, you know pulling the plug, or, or maybe they're pulling the plug because they don't like what they see, and he needs more time to figure all this out. Plus, he had been injured earlier in the preseason, so I, I don't know. But there, there's so many different ways you could go. Uh, but those were my thoughts, you know, as last night's game unfolded. He's the radio voice of the VGK on Fox Sports Las Vegas and the Vegas Golden Knights radio network. Dan Duva joins us from Ottawa, Canada's capital city, as uh, the Senators will host the Vegas Golden Knights uh, for Game 2 of the VGK four-game road trip. He's chatting with us on the Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. You know, Dan, I know we kind of touched on this last night on the post-game show, but just the injury to William Carlson and, and how... 
not having Carlson in the lineup, I think a lot of people don't really understand or really appreciate just how important he is to this lineup and how much he does on all sides of the puck for this club. And and to me, this injury is, is illuminating that as is, is maybe even more more substantial than, than Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. Right. And we were talking about this before Carlson got hurt when we were in Dallas chatted with Robin Leonard on the pregame show. And at that point, you know, the Knights were struggling to, you know, put up a lot of offense. Why not spread around Marcia So, Carlson, and Smith with Patch and Stone out? Maybe, you know, you move that talent around so that there's more uh, offensive firepower up and down the lineup. Why keep them together if the Knights are really not scoring much? And the explanation was, and Robin Leonard, in his words, it's not talked about enough what those guys do. Uh, away from the offensive zone. So you're talking about, um, you know, recovering pucks in the defensive end, the transition play, all of those things, not to mention penalty kill, the face-offs, you know, would think about Carlson. Yeah, it's you, you, we all remember the, the 43 goals the first year, but the plus-minus was best in the league, too. Right? You, you can have a lot of goals, just ask Alex Govechkin and have a terrible plus-minus. Uh, it's not Will Carlson. That no, happened one year. Quite the same. That happened one What's year, that? Dan. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's it's. I guess it's just a, a, to underscore the, yeah. the the point that Will just does so much that um, you know when you see it on a night in night out basis and you're watching all three zones, you you, you notice it uh, the, the how much he's relied upon. And the Knights have now played 300 regular season games as a franchise, and Will has only missed nine of them. I, I, in a few days, Marcia So will go ahead of Carlson, God willing, uh, for games played uh, in franchise history for the all-time lead in that category. But it, um, it, it really does bring a, a, a magnifying glass on what Carlson has done, even if it's not just putting the puck in the net. Dan Dubas joins us for a couple of minutes in Ottawa. Day off for the Vegas Golden Knights. Back at it tomorrow night on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Pre-game show at 3 o'clock. Uh, and Dan and Gary Lawless will have the call at 4 o'clock. Chatting with us today on the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. You know, Dan, when you, you, you kind of look ahead to the Ottawa Senators, you look ahead to the next game for the Golden Knights, um, it, you know, you understand what some of the limitations are with the lineup. But passing, puck protection, all of those things for the Golden Knights can simply be better. And we've seen them do it. We saw them do it against Colorado earlier on this year. Is it just about trying to replicate that blueprint for Vegas and paying attention, making sure the defensive side of the puck is buttoned up against the Ottawa Senators tomorrow night? Yeah, the the puck movement and the puck support, and it's not just in the defensive zone. I think it's all over the ice. I mean, you can... You get the puck in your own zone. You get as far as the neutral zone. Then you know you make a hope play, and all of a sudden the puck's going onto somebody else's stick. You get into the offensive zone with possession, and it's just you know along the perimeter, and you try to get the puck in front, but without really a plan to do so, and somebody just takes it away. Uh, and that, that's the phrase that you hear a lot of hope plays. You hope that something's going to happen. You get a good bounce. Well, you know, you, you, you <laughs> it's not going well. You, you know, hope is uh, only going to do so much. You know, the, the a little bit more attention to detail in terms of those passes, um, you know, makes sense. Whereas uh, we chatted earlier about how so much of the focus was on playing strong defensively. Perhaps they can uh, adjust that focus to, um, again, moving the puck uh, and that 
I just it, it sounds so simple. Um, and I'm not down there on the ice trying to do these things. And let's not forget that the other team is doing everything that it can to prevent the Knights from moving the puck seamlessly, as we have seen so often. The Knights are very good with um, moving the puck because of their speed. They've got defensemen who retrieve the puck very quickly. They've had forwards who put opponents on their heels because of their speed. And because of all that, there's a lot more ice to move the puck with ease. You take some of those guys off their game. You take some of the guys simply out of the game. Um, you know, there seems to be uh, more willingness for opposing clubs like Toronto to say, hey, we're going to come at you. And if you beat us, great. But you've got a bunch of American Hockey League guys in your lineup, and we don't think that they're going to beat us. So we're going to go after you. Right? So teams are kind of taking advantage of it from that standpoint. But uh, so, like I say, the focus on moving the puck and instead of just, you know, flicking the puck. And Will Carrier said it in the first intermission live on the broadcast. You know, they're just flicking the puck in the air out to the neutral zone and hoping that it goes to a teammate, and far too often it was not. I know that sounds simple. Uh, perhaps the coaches will provide a more insightful explanation <laughs> in what they'll try to do to uh, build upon that. But just, you know, you can look at the raw numbers of the giveaways that Vegas had last night, the Toronto takeaways, um, you know, was very much on the, the Maple Leaf side in that regard. And, and that's really not something that has plagued the Golden Knights for a long period of time. They've had those stretches, right, a game here, game there, uh, period of time. But overall, this organization has really been solid in, in when it comes to puck possession. You know, there's a weird uh, thing that happens, and it's natural, and you, you have to fight against it. It's, I call it my uh, trapped in a submarine. Uh, scenario. Uh, all of a sudden you sink to the bottom of the ocean and you got no power and what do you do? You start to panic and what does that do? Uses up more mm-hmm. oxygen. What do you have to do? You have to mm-hmm. calm down. You have to breathe less and control your breathing and uh, and maximize uh, your air. What happened last night was they, they fell behind. They didn't have control of the game. Toronto had everything going for them and instead of being calm and coming back to the puck and being in control you start to stretch things out and use those hope plays that you mentioned. And everybody becomes looking for the home run and trying to score almost like two goals for one. And even professional athletes get sort of disjointed at times. And uh, they used up uh, too much oxygen last night by trying to uh, panicking or getting out of of sync at at times. And uh, it's just proof that, that when you're not all on the same page, it can look very different than when it does when you are. Yeah, I don't know which if it's the backstroke or the breaststroke or the <laughs> doggy paddle, whichever one uses the, the the least oxygen. That's going to be the way to go, Darren. I, <laughs> I'm no swimming expert, but so, you're onto something right there. And, and you know, again, we, we, like Gary said on the broadcast, like, hey, like to simplify things. Yeah, and and that you know we can make. But that that's comment. hard to do. Meanwhile, right? Exactly, because like, meanwhile the coaches have. You know, devise the system. This is what we're going to do when we break out. This is where we're going to send this guy. This is where we're going to send that guy. And it's, you know, they, they don't just <laughs> they don't just uh, you know skate around aimlessly coming out of the zone. Like this is what when we talk about structure, like these are things that that Pete DeBoer is a very smart guy has instilled. And you've got uh, you know the guys who are trying to stick to that. So we say simplify, and simplify might fly in the face of that structure in some situations. Then you've got the fact that so many of the guys who are in the lineup right now for the Knights are relatively new to the Golden Knights system that Pete DeBoer has instituted, whether it's guys from other organizations um, coming in this year or in this season, or guys who are, you know, relatively new to the pro game at the NHL level. 
Dan Duva chatting with us from Ottawa. He's got to go for dinner in just a second uh, as he points out uh, what happened last night and we look ahead to tomorrow night uh, against the Ottawa Senators here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. So, Dan, just in, in terms of kind of the the expectation, I know we, we talked about it. In, in Some days you're going to have these types of games, and, you know, for the Golden Knights, it's it's important to get some guys that, that are going to deliver on these nights. And you mentioned Petrangelo with just one assist through his first nine games. Um, he's He's been dangerous. There have been a lot of, of offensive chances that Alex Petrangelo has, has generated for this Golden Knights team. Uh, you feel like it's only a matter of time before the puck start to drop for him? I, yeah, I, I sure as heck hope so, and I bet that, that the Knights are thinking along those lines too. Um, yeah, I think it's a little bit different right now compared to the early stages of last season with Petrangelo, who had never changed teams before. Uh, this time around, you know, you you know, you've seen already what he did late last season and into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and even in the preseason, what Petrangelo can be. Of course, you, you've got a different defenseman in there right now with White Cloud out. So Haig had been moved up, and Martinez moved over to play with Theodore. Ben Hutton is now in the mix, though he has not played yet. So McNabb and Coglin has been that third pair. You know, they're—it's it's hard to say that they're even pairs as often as they've sort of rotated around depending upon the situation. You know, how much can you see Theodore and Petrangelo together? How much for Haig and Petrangelo? Let's not forget, Nick Haig has four points. That's that's more than any defenseman. He's he's got two goals, which equals Theodore's total. But Nick Hague is your leading scorer on the blue line right now. So uh, how much you, you have him out there with Petrangelo? That you know they're still figuring each other out, I suppose. But you know the, so much of the Knights' offense, if it doesn't come directly from the defenseman, it can be generated by the defenseman. Whether it's a retrieving the puck, uh, activating in the offensive zone. And just the threat of the shot from the outside from these guys. I mean, those look at you know, look at that group of, of six guys. Um, you know, everybody there is is capable of scoring um, from the outside. So uh, I, I think that Petrangelo would have to be at the, at the head of that pack, given what he's accomplished in his career. Obviously, so uh, is it for him to take over a game? For instance, like an Ottawa Senators club that's teetering a couple of games under five hundred and is in sort of a rebuild mode, and they're, they're certainly better than the last time we saw them, but they're, um, I'm not sure that they're ready to be a playoff team again. But um, we'll see. So maybe, you know, the next few games against, quote-unquote, struggling teams, and Vegas is one of those struggling teams for the record, but maybe against other struggling teams, uh, you know, a, a bona fide star like Petrangelo can really put his game into the high gear that they need it. So what kind of dinners did you have in Toronto because you were there for a month and a half. And where are you going tonight? <laughs> Let's see. Toronto. Where did we go? You, got, you went to Marble, Toronto. didn't you? Uh, there, was a, there was the Loose Moose. Oh, yeah. I know. Where, I've been there. Uh, Shane told us that the first time he was ever in Toronto, he went to the Loose Moose mm-hmm. in 1994. On King Street. And, yeah. uh, and met Wayne Gretzky. Oh, really? Wayne's old yeah, bar was just up the street from there. Say that again. Wayne's old bar was just up the street from there. Gretzky's. Oh, okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so that so we went there. I was very disappointed. One of the cafes that I like to go to was permanently closed, so I had to discover a couple of new places to go. But that was fine. I always like to discover new places. <laughs> and uh, oh, we went to a, a cool place that uh, what was the name of it? It, it was it was uh, the night before Halloween, and Dave and Shane and I, I think, were 
three of the only people without costumes <laughs> particular particular place. Had t- uh, terrific bacon wrapped scallops. That was that was good. Marble was the marble name of the place. Yeah, and yeah, yep, and uh, yeah, that, that was at least two of the meals. Of course, you get your you know. Uh, Media dining there, but uh, it's a little bit different. So I had, I had stopped and I got a uh, smoked salmon croissant sandwich. But tonight here in Ottawa, there's a, a place that, that Nighty knows well. It's an Italian joint. Uh, Are you downtown? Uh, no, sadly. I oh, wish okay. we were. <laughs> uh, I've stayed in downtown Ottawa before, but no, we're we're out in Canada. And mm. uh, that you know, Shane having been here is. Uh, big part of the Ottawa Senators and his playing days. He knows the neighborhood, and it's a restaurant where we've gone before, and um, Shane has uh, made it a reservation for us, so that's I, coming up. I like getting the uh, Dan Duva on-the-road dining stories. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, especially the pastries, too. That's a big part of it, as you know. <laughs> uh, thanks for doing this. Uh, really appreciate it. I know it's a busy time, as you guys have four games and six nights, but wanted to lean on you uh, regarding uh, what happened last night and just a, a little perspective on, on where this team is right now. And you'll have to ask me about uh, you know the pastries once we get to Montreal, because that's you know uh, north of the border, as far as I'm concerned. That's that's the real place. I mean, the the macarons are as as good as I've found any place. Next level. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what I call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so any request, make sure you let me know. I, I don't know how much I could fit into the suitcase or if that's allowed to come across the border. The pastries are that valuable. I've seen the plane that you fly on. There's plenty of room in the overhead bins. <laughs> <laughs> I'll await your pastry order. Thanks. Thanks, Doofs. <laughs> All right, guys. There's Dan Duva, radio voice of the Vegas Golden Knights on Fox Sports Las Vegas and the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. Uh, pastries. We had mm-hmm. upscale dining, bacon wrapped scallops, and a whole lot of hockey talk in there. Yeah, I'm I'm fixated on the pastries right now. And now I'm hungry. Thanks a lot, Darren. Really? We need, we need to hear more about marble because Mar- that that place sounds really Pretty, pretty divine. It's just uh, actually a couple of blocks, maybe a half a block away from uh, the Loose Moose, uh, up uh, maybe mm, half a mile away from Scotiabank Arena, right downtown on King Street, mm-hmm. one of the uh, the great streets in downtown Toronto. Yeah, it's uh, Marbles. Marbles a happening place. It's uh, it's good food, but there's a great vibe to it, uh, an atmosphere mm-hmm. to it. Uh, it's it's awesome. I, I quite enjoy. It. It's one of those places where you walk by. And you kind of stop and look in and go, well, that, that place looks like it's got something going on. One of those, it's not sneaky, it's right out in your face. I like it. Uh, when we continue, Jack Eichel is in the news, believe it or not. And Ryan Wallace is tracking this thing like an air traffic controller. We'll uh, check in on uh, what's happening with Jack Eichel and the Buffalo Sabres on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. There's another team that's in a similar situation to the Vegas Golden Knights right now. Saying, what next? Uh, I'll tell you who that team is when we get into the VGK one-timer segment in hour number two of the Insider Show. Uh, we will also bring you our play of the day. But up mm. right now, it's our big news segment. It's a brand new segment called <laughs> What's Happening, Jack? And uh, the host of this new segment, What's Happening, Jack, is Ryan Wallace. What's Happening, Jack? Uh, we should probably work on the name. 
Um, it's yeah, just, I know, I just know. doesn't feel doesn't feel good. Uh, what's happening, Jack? What's happening with Jack Eichel? What is the latest? Well, uh, not much until last night when Emily Kaplan uh, was was interviewed during uh, during the ESPN broadcast and said that the deal for Jack Eichel is on the one yard line. Now, not specified if it was one yard to touchdown or 99 yards to touchdown. We have no idea, but which one yard line it actually is on, but which do you it, think it that seems she meant? to, I think she meant one yard to touchdown, but okay. I mean, here we are almost 24 hours later and not much is going on. But anyway, the point is it clearly from what, from what we're seeing, from what reports have been, the Golden Knights and the Calgary Flames have been linked to Jack Eichel and linked to be teams involved in potentially trading for Jack. Kevin Weeks earlier today tweeted out that his understanding is the Flames have Kachuk, Matthew Kachuk, an upcoming first-round pick, a former first-round pick, and two prospects in the Eichel sweepstakes with the Buffalo Sabres. So that is... What Kevin Weeks reported is is his understanding of what the package is on the table for the, from the Calgary Flames to the Buffalo Sabers for Jack Eichel. So, Emily Kaplan says last night it's on the one yard line, and I trust yes. Emily's reporting. Uh, mm-hmm. And then somebody from the same outlet says yes. that uh, there's a link with the Calgary Flames, which there's been some speculation uh, throughout the week. Uh, what did what did Drager say about the immediacy of the Jack Eichel trade? There's there's nothing from Darren Drager. Okay, sorry, I misspoke. What did Elliot Friedman say about the immediacy of the? Yeah, no, still nothing. Still, still nothing. nothing. Okay. Uh, I'm just gonna mm-hmm. wait uh, and 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 go with that part of it and see what happens. I, Emily saying it's at the one yard line is. A little hyperbole, but I I think that there's something there because of where we are on the hockey calendar. And I'll go back to my framework of a Jack, Jack Eichel trade. Is mm-hmm. Jack's acquisition by Team A or B will be structured around that he is acquired he will have the disc replacement surgery and his recovery will take him through the end of the regular schedule. You can't acquire Jack, have the surgery, and at least there's very few teams in the National Hockey League right now because of salary cap restrictions and Jack's $10 million contract. There's very few teams that can acquire Jack, have the surgery, and then have him recover before the end of the regular season and be activated because then you're past the trade deadline and you don't have any way to ditch salary and you're over the salary cap. It's just a fact that you're, you're in a big, big time bind. So we're, we're entering the stage now, the window and you and I've done the math mm-hmm. on this where we're into early November, the next three weeks is when, he could potentially, if things were recovered really fast and, and everything went together right, where he would have a shot at coming back before the end of the regular season. I think past November 15th is when it's go time. 
where team can acquire him. He has the surgery. He goes through his rehab. He's back, and it's at the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs, the Kucherov uh, situation from last year. But I don't know any contenders that can take on $10 million and activate that contract before the end of the, the regular season. So you have to just push it. Time right now, there there may be agreements in place, guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to speak for anybody, but I could see there being, okay, we like Jack. We want to get Jack. You want this? We want this? Okay. We can't do it yet. We got to wait because there's no way it can work because we can't have Jack activate until the end of the regular season. That's my uh, opinion on this scenario. So it's an interesting thought. I, I mean, it really is. Now, I, I think if you're a team that that is looking to to make this deal, my my counter to that is if you are if you can acquire Jack Eichel and you can get him in your lineup before the end of the regular season, then I don't know why you would waste any more time. To be, com- oh, to, to be completely it, yeah. honest with you, you like do that. I, I understand. I understand you need to move out salary, but you're going to have to do that anyway. It's a reality of the. It's a reality of the situation. Like, I'm just saying, if you're looking at, you know, the 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 four to five month time frame or whatever the case may be, or even three months as has been suggested. I mean, there's an opportunity here for Jack if he gets the surgery done relatively quickly that you're looking at perhaps February, March and and a good month and a half of getting into the system of the team that he's going to play for. I I think that, you know, if you're serious about doing it and you're putting all your chips in on Jack Eichel, you want him in your lineup before the end of the regular season. I disagree. I think you you I if you're acquiring Jack Eichel, you want to hold mm-hmm. on to hold on to as many pieces as you can and make a, a run with him. That means uh, maybe you uh you keep a 7 million dollar player. You keep a 5 million dollar player that might uh normally be in the deal, but you you hold on to that player and you're uh, up against the salary cap and then you add Jack at the playoffs when there's no salary cap. Yeah, I I don't know that I agree with that strategy because you're asking a player who has never played an NHL playoff game coming off of a neck surgery and hasn't played in 15 months to go out there and be an impact. It's putting the player in a terrible spot with his new team. Oh, you're putting him in a player like, let's go, we just acquired you. Giddy up, kid. Again, it's not the same thing as Kucherov. I know that that continues to be brought up, and the LTIR aspect of this is similar, but you're talking about a player in Kucherov who has been with that organization and with those players for years. It's not apples-to-apples comparison here. If you're if you're trading for Jack Eichel, wanting him to stay out until the playoffs, and then putting him in a situation where it's his first meaningful game in 15 months and it's a playoff game. That's the price of asking for a trade. That's the price of, of demanding the surgery it's... that you want. There's expectations yeah, I there. Mean, that's the price of wanting to have wanting to have your life not be ridiculous after hockey. Like my goodness. How mm-hmm. dare he? Yeah. But that's that's the reality of it. I know there's like flippancy there, but th- that's the reality of it. Is he could do it this way, he could do it another way. He's chosen this way with the with the disc mm-hmm. replacement surgery. There's He's not going to have a lot of runway, if any, 
uh, to play in the playoffs. And there's going to be expectations, and they're going to be big expectations because of what uh, the Buffalo Sabres continue to, to ask for. And that is going to have to be on his plate, and I have no doubt that he's accepting of that, pr- providing that he, I, he's allowed to get the, the surgery that he wants. No, I mean, I, I understand that those are, are realistic things, but again, if team and I want Jack to be uh, a main major player for me, I, I want him playing before the end of, of the regular season. And I understand that that is going to come with trade-offs here, but if that's your big acquisition, right? Like you're going out, you're spending money on this guy, you want him to be an impact for you in the playoffs, I, I think you got to get him into action. And whether or not that that hurts your team right now that's that's part of doing business too that's part of a team going out there and putting their neck on the line for jack eichel pun intended and quite frankly if it if it makes you a little bit weaker but you get those those runway games for jack then i think you're better off for it because a comfortable jack eichel is going to be better for you in the playoffs than one that you're throwing to the wolves uh, how about Calgary? If if Calgary's really the team, and we've heard Vegas and the Calgary Flames as the two teams that are in this at the end. Maybe more. Yep. But those are the two teams that keep cropping up. How about a Jack Eichel, Connor McDavid battle of Alberta? It'd be fantastic. I, I would love it. Um, it'd be interesting uh, to see those two guys get to play each other more often than, than they have already in their career. And, you know, I, I think that there'd be some real heat and, and it could be marketed in much the same way that, uh, that Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin was marketed for years. Like, I think it'd be better. It'd be fantastic for the game. When do you think this happens then you've, you've got uh, some spidey senses going on Jack Eichel. Yeah, I, I, I want to say it's going to happen soon. And, and, you know, I'll be completely honest with you. Like, I would imagine that it'll happen either shortly after we sign off. Not necessarily today, but when it does happen, the day that it happens, <laughs> the day that Jack Eichel is traded, it'll be essentially three or four minutes after you and I get off the air, whatever that tends to be. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, I just I feel like it's got to happen soon because I don't really know how much more people can take of the the hot and cold saga that is the Jack Eichel trade and will it or won't it happen? Ladies and gentlemen, like we would live through this with with Eric Lindros for multiple stints, the Nordiques part of it, the the Flyers part of it. There's there's precedent here. It can go on forever. So this is just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, compared to uh, that standoff, multiple standoffs uh, with Eric Lindros. Today's November 3rd. It's a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Does it happen inside the next week? By next Wednesday, are we talking about Jack Eichel being with a new team? I'm I'm going to say that it, it happens by next Friday at the latest. So that's the 12th? Yes. Hmm. Yes. I think we're a couple of weeks away. Really? Yeah. I think we're uh, we're uh, definitely a, a couple of weeks away. Is what my spidey senses tell me about. Hmm. Okay. I'm getting signals from. I don't know. I don't know why he doesn't just talk to me <laughs> or send me a note, but he thinks I can read lips. 
So why don't what? you text me? Okay, I'll text you. He's oh, he's boy. giving me like surfer signals. What were you giving telling me? Well, I, I was going to text it to you, but we but have you, you we were have, giving uh, me signals. What was the signal? To give you a, a a heads up that we have tickets for the Kraken game coming up on the ninth. <laughs> so to I, give away. But what's the signal that you were telling uh, me? I ring the phone. Oh, ring yeah, phone. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> You know, technology is amazing. Yeah. Text I messages thought he was surfing. I couldn't figure out what he was. What he was. Well, well, and to, then you were pointing at the wow. screen. Yeah, was, to, to be fair, I I made the hang loose sign right, like the old Hawaii T-shirts, where it's like the the thumb and the the pinky yeah. finger. But I put it up to my ear and my mouth, so it looked like a phone. To so say, I, hey. I started to look, thinking that somebody was calling me. <laughs> oh, we well, we do want people to call us. Uh, we have tickets to give away to the Seattle Kraken. We'll do that in hour number two. Uh, oh, we have two pairs. Yeah, okay. Yeah. We can, we can, we'll do that in hour number two uh, as uh, as we work on our, our chemistry here in the control room with Chris Chapman and I. Boy, you're a lucky man, Ryan Wallace. You're a lucky man. You're not in this room right now. Uh, we also have our play of the day coming up and uh, one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Uh, interesting scenario when it comes to the injury front on one other team in the National Hockey League. They can't believe their bad luck, just like the Vegas Golden Knights. And we'll update you on what's happening with Sidney Crosby's status as he comes back from the surgery just before training camp. It's the VGK Insider Show. Hang loose, brother, on Fox Sports Las Vegas. This is the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. Now back to Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Our ratings of last night's game against the Toronto Maple Leafs coming up in hour number two. We'll also get into uh, forecasting what we will see versus the Ottawa Senators tomorrow night, game two of the four-game road trip. And one-timers, uh, an update on Sidney Crosby, as well as uh, a couple other news and notes from around the National Hockey League. But first, our play of the day comes courtesy of the Vancouver Canucks and some pressure around Thatcher Demko. Zivanejad missed the pass. Tyler Myers failed to clear it. Puck is centered. Panarin, Fanon, and Frank Tyler missed the net. Big pile up in the goal crease. cuts in front. He shoots. Spread on Demko. continue. It's not like uh, when you lose your helmet. Now here is ball hockey 101. We're out on the street and you can see Demko's lost his blocker. The ref knows it. He's standing right there. Look at JT Miller's in behind. Referee looks at him. Looks at him again. Look at JT Miller. Uh, That's Demko. Got a piece of that. Got it up and over. Uh, A lot happening in that uh, scramble. In and around Thatcher Demko, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, who did lose one of his gloves. Here's the rule is uh, uh, you don't blow it down until it's like an injured player until you you get possession of the puck. If the other team's got a scoring chance, uh, uh, the play continues. And otherwise, you'd have guys throwing their gloves off all the time. That's the situation. And, yeah, it's dangerous. And, yeah, it's crazy and unique. But uh, the referee followed the rules in that situation. And Thatcher Demko uh, made the VGK Insider Show play of the day because of it. 
Yeah, well, I mean, it was a, a ridiculous sequence. The scorpion toe save for mm-hmm. me was the one that sealed the deal. Um, listen, it was all desperation. I, I don't think that there's, you know, any any type of uh, of structure to what Thatcher Demko was doing. It was let me see if I can get any part of my body in front of the puck, and he was able to do it. It was fantastic. It was really fun. Uh, the fact that there was not a Demko chant at the end of the play, though, was a little bit disappointing. Um, be better, guys. Come on. You know what Vancouver. I've always said? Chant his name. Desperation breeds brilliance. John Shorthouse and John Garrett were the two voices that you heard on that call on Rogers Sportsnet Pacific. Hour number two the VGK Insider Show is coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas.